Join me as we pray. Father, thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. Most of all, thank you for your presence in this place. We love you and we honor your name today with our worship. And we pray that your name will be honored. And we thank you for your love and for your forgiveness and for your grace and for your mercy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So glad you're here today. Thank you for joining us for worship on this hot summer day. The sun's shining, and that's nice about it. Uh, but you probably won't want to stay outside too long uh, in this heat. But we're glad you're here. If you're a guest, we welcome you. Thank you for choosing to worship with this church family. And uh, if you'll take your phone and just place it over that uh, camera, over the QR code in front of you on the pews, it'll give you some information about a digital connect card and all kinds of other information for everybody. So uh, if you want to do that at some point, uh, feel free to do that. But we are so glad you're here to worship with us. And if you are a first-time guest, there's a gift for you out at the Welcome Center. They're in bags on the far corner. Just pick one up as you leave today and know that is our welcome gift to you being here. We also welcome those of you who have joined us by live stream this morning. We pray that you feel God's presence as we worship here, here in the sanctuary today. And we pray all of you feel his presence as we lift our voices in praise and we listen to the spoken word. Why don't you take a minute to stand and greet those around you, and then we'll join in singing together. We sing together, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. Jesus, draw me close. What a beautiful prayer. You join as we continue in worship together.
seated. What a powerful message and song. I feel the Holy Spirit in this place, and I pray that you do as well. We welcome you here. We welcome those of you worshiping with us online. We worship you, uh, worship you, welcome you. If this is your first time worshiping with us, thank you for joining us. If this is your first time back at church, and over a year and a half, we welcome you back to God's house. So thankful to see all of you here. What a great place to be, worshiping our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Every week, there's an opportunity for us, if you feel led by the Spirit of God, to come to this altar and pray. We believe there's power in prayer. And maybe you've been praying, you've been praying, you've been praying, and you've not seen answer in God's time, he makes everything beautiful. Not our time, but it's God's time. And I pray today that if you would like to join me at this altar to give praise and thanksgiving, to cry out to him in your deepest need, to ask for direction, for wisdom, for peace, for salvation, however the Holy Spirit leads, I invite you, if you're in this place, to come join me as we lift up our prayers together. Won't you come join me as we pray together? You might just want to stand where you are. May we pray. Father, you've heard our prayer and song. Jesus, draw me close, closer, Lord, to you. May everything we say and do in this place be glorifying to you. God, words are not adequate to express our humble gratitude for your greatness, 
for your mercy, for your grace, for your love, for your forgiveness, for our hope and salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for your presence in this place. Lord, we fall down. We humble ourselves, praying that you would lift us up. Father, I pray for these folks gathered at this altar, people praying from their seats, people praying at home, maybe on vacation, and they're joining us for worship. Oh God, wherever people are, may they feel your presence and know that they are not alone, that you promise to be with us. And Lord, we give you glory and praise for that promise that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we do not have to fear evil because your rod and your staff, they comfort us. No, God, thank you for your comfort. Bless those who are grieving today. Comfort them with your sweet spirit. Father, we have many on our prayer list that are recovering from surgeries, facing surgeries, going through critical health issues. We pray for a miracle of healing that your will would be done. But Lord, if it be your will to, to bring healing, that many would come to Christ as a testimony of your power and your grace. Father, I pray for marriages that need to be reconciled and healed. I pray, oh God, for children who have gone astray. Bring them back home, Lord, to the loving arms of the Father. I pray, oh God, for folks that are looking for employment. May the right doors be open and the wrong doors be closed. I pray for single people who are looking for love. Oh God, protect them. May they not just settle, but you would prepare that special someone that, Lord, it would be a perfect fit on both sides, Lord. I pray, oh God, for folks that have lost their joy and have become a bitter God in this world. I pray, God, that you would bring revival and spiritual awakening and renewal. We praise you for the healing, Lord, that you've already brought and for the healing you're continuing to bring in our country and in our world. And Father, we pray that if there are folks in this place are watching today and they've never accepted Christ into their hearts, may today be the day of salvation. May now be the time, oh God, for someone to give their life to Jesus. Father, I pray that you would just forgive me or forgive us when we have sinned and fallen short of your glory. We want, oh God, our lives to be a reflection of Jesus so that when people see us, they might see you living inside of us. So Father, we just pray now for your Holy Spirit to continue to move through the music, through your prayers, through your message, through your servant through the time of decision and commitment. Father, bless families that are traveling this week. Give them traveling mercies and bring them back safely. And Father, just bless us now through the remainder of this service. Again, may everything we say and do 
be glorifying to you, for you alone are worthy. For it is in the strong and holy and powerful name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 5? We'll be reading one verse, verse 10. I appreciate all the beautiful music that we've already shared, and I ask that you be in prayer for our choir and instrumentalists as they come to lead us after the reading of God's Word. One verse, verse 10, Matthew chapter 5, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord, and blessed be the name of the Lord.
Amen. Thank you. I love that song. I would sing along with you year after year, day after day. He has been faithful in every way. The hand of our God is on this place. His hand is on this place. And God is with us today because where two or more are gathered in his name, he promises to be there in their midst. So we are grateful for the presence of the Lord. I always like to share a little humor, an attempt of a little humor. One of our folks sent me just yesterday, it was perfect timing, uh, that there was a pastor who stood before his church and and he shared, he assured his church that he was their servant and that he was there for them anytime. If they had any kind of problem, he was there for them. They could call him if they had any problem. Well, Sure enough, about 3 o'clock in the morning, that very evening, a sweet little old lady from the church called, and she said, Pastor? He said, yes. She said, I can't sleep. And the pastor, trying to comfort her, said, I'm so, so sorry that you can't sleep, but what, what would you like for me to, to do for you? She said sweetly, Pastor, would you just preach for a little while? <laughs> well, I want to tell you this. I shared this at the early, so true story. We had a sweet lady, a longtime member of this church, who uh, went to be with the Lord at age 99, Stella Wilson. One of the very first funerals I did when I came to this church to pastor was her husband, Sanford's. Funeral, And at that time, before the modern technology of today, one of the family members had recorded the funeral on a cassette player. Parent, turn to your child or your grandchild and tell them what a cassette player is right now. But when I would go see Ms. Wilson almost every single visit, this is a true story, I'd go see Ms. Wilson and before leaving, she would hold on to me tight. And before leaving, she'd say, Brother Ty, she said, almost every night when I can't sleep, I get out my cassette player and I put you preaching Sanford's funeral and it puts me right to sleep. Every <laughs> I say, uh, thank you, I think, Ms. Wilson, I'm not... I appreciate, maybe, I don't know, but, and then I'll close with this one. True story, two Sundays ago, one of our members was leaving, and he came up, and he said, Todd, I, as I want to tell you, that was a great sermon today. And I said, well, I, I praise God, I, I thank him, I give him the glory. He said, you know how I know it was a great sermon? I said, no, he said, you kept my wife awake. And then last Sunday, he said, I did it again. Kept his wife awake. I hope we'll keep you awake today. But I'm watching. I appreciate that some of you all have already been in a state of prayer and meditation before the service. But the fact is, the last several weeks, we've been going through a series of messages looking at that great Sermon on the Mount that Jesus Preach believed to have been on the sloping hills beside the Sea of Galilee. Remember, Jesus gave a challenge. He gave a call. He gave a standard for his disciples and those who 
would follow him, the great crowd that assembled, and you and me, he issued a challenge to live a moral, ethical, and joy-filled life. Now, some thought this standard was too great of a, a challenge to actually live out, but we all know that it cannot be lived out on our own strength, but it can be lived out through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus began this great message, the great Sermon on the Mount, by giving eight characteristics or eight beatitudes to help us to live a joy-filled life. And I hope and pray today that if you're here and maybe you've lost some of your joy, that God would bring the joy back to you. Great author, Christian author C.S. Lewis said, joy is the serious business of heaven. The great Mother Teresa of Calcutta said that, that true holiness consists of doing the will of God with a smile. Pastor author Chuck Swindoll in his book, To Laugh Again, that he wrote several years ago, said, the greatest need for people today is the need for joy. And so if you're here and, and you're wanting joy, you have come to the right place. Remember through this series, we've gone through this sermon and we've called it the summit of joy. We've been climbing this mountain, this summit to reach the pinnacle to get to the peak of bringing us real joy. We learned early on that the word blessed means joy. It means wholeness. It means the divine pronouncement of God's favor when he said blessed, or in the King James Version, blessed actually means a deep inner joy, not just happy. Happy is based on circumstance. Joy comes no matter what our circumstance from our faith in Jesus Christ. But we know that he longs for all of us to have joy. And today, maybe God wants to give you a brand new start in your relationship with Jesus, regardless of what's happened the last year and a half regardless of the pain that you're going through today, regardless of your relationship woes, regardless of your financial struggles, regardless of your depression, regardless of your loneliness, regardless of your addiction, regardless of your lostness, God wants to bring joy to you through Jesus Christ. And if you've been wanting to have a, a fresh start then I challenge you today to have an enthusiasm for life, to have a desire for joy, to have the heart to keep on persevering through challenging times. And I think if we do that, we'll be blessed, we'll be joy-filled. But we must come to the understanding as we come to this eighth beatitude when he says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I know you're thinking, what and how can we be blessed when we are persecuted? Well, we must understand today that persecution uh, comes when we live a righteous life. 
Righteousness comes, or persecution uh, comes when we are living a righteous life for Christ. And you say, well, what, what do you mean by that? Well, Jesus let his disciples know from the get-go that it wasn't going to be easy. He told them the cost of discipleship. To follow him wasn't to be free. As a matter of fact, he said in John chapter 15, verses 18 and 19, if the world hates me or hates you, know that it hated me first. And he said, but, but if the world, if you belong to the world, then, then the world would love you as its own. But as it is, you do not belong to the world. How many times have you heard me say, this isn't our home? We are called aliens strangers, foreigners in this world. I've told you before, I don't feel like I belong in this world. I don't feel like I'm at home here. And for anyone that's trying to live for Jesus Christ, you're not gonna feel comfortable living in this world today. If you feel comfortable, then you better do a spiritual gut check to say, am I really living for Jesus? Because if you're completely comfortable, then I wonder what you are doing to live out your faith in Christ. Because we know, uh, Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, actually, or, verse, or chapter 3, verse 12, he said, anyone who wants to live a godly life will be persecuted. Anyone who's trying to live, why is that? Why are we being persecuted? Well, if we're trying to live a righteous, pure life of Christian integrity, that does not go over well with a lost world. People don't want to fellowship with you or me because we are bringing light into a dark world. And some people would rather walk in darkness than to live in the light. And so if you're being persecuted, know that that's to be expected for being a follower of Christ. Now, when I say persecuted, the first thing that comes to mind, you're thinking about actual physical harm or, or torture or, or maybe someone having a harm done, bodily harm done. That's possible. We saw that through the Old Testament, didn't we? Remember in Daniel chapter 3, when King Nebuchadnezzar had a 90-foot golden statue built to honor himself, and he said that, that when the harp and the lyre and the zither and the horns and, and all these instruments played, that everyone was to bow down and worship that 90-foot statue. But remember those three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do you remember that when those horns sounded and the instruments began to play? They did not. And you know what happened? They were thrown into a fiery furnace. And they turned up the heat seven times hotter than normal. And you remember the story? As they looked in on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were dancing inside the flames. And they said, there's a fourth one in there that looked to be an angel, a son of God, dancing in the flames. And not a single hair on their head was singed. Didn't even smell like smoke because their hot faith cooled the heat and they came out of there 
giving praise and glory to God. What about in Daniel chapter 6, King Darius sent out a, a, an edict that, that everyone, when, when they came to a time of prayer, were to bow down and, and worship him and pray to him only. And do you remember what Daniel did three times a day? He opened up the, the windows and he prayed to the one true God. And as a result, they threw him in a lion's den. But we know that the lion's mouths were closed and not a scratch was on him because his faith sustained him and God delivered him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul talked about how he had been beaten with rods, flogged, whipped, uh, tortured, stoned, shipwrecked, starved with no food, no, no water to drink, thrown in prison, left to die, but yet he continued to give glory and praise to God. Persecution comes, and maybe some have thought even this past year and a half that God's church has been persecuted and our rights are trying to be removed from us. Anymore, people are ashamed to tell people that they're a Christian for fear of the attacks that will come because of our faith. And believe me, we're just seeing the beginning of what I think is going to come in the future, but right now, we are being persecuted. And the persecution may not come through torture or bodily harm, but persecution, your persecution, may come in other forms. It's possible that you're not invited to social gatherings because your presence is a rebuke to those who are doing things contrary to what you as a Christian believe you ought to do. Your presence makes them feel guilty, so you're not invited. It's possible that you are persecuted, that you're a, a family, and you stand up for Christ in your family, among a family of non-believers or unbelievers, and they've disowned you because you make everybody in the family feel uncomfortable because you pray before meals, because you read your Bible, because you uh, pray for them that are lost. You make people feel uncomfortable. They've disowned you. It's possible that you're being persecuted at your workplace. You've been blocked to be promoted because they know you're a Christian because of how you act at the office. You don't talk the way they do. You don't act the way they do. You don't give in to what they do. And so as a result, you're not uh, given the promotion because of your faith in Christ. Maybe you're a teenage girl and you're being made fun of and laughed at because you hold a high standard of morals and you don't give in to the immorality that's so prevalent in the world today. So you're excluded instead of included because you stand up for what you believe in. Maybe you're a young man and maybe because you don't drink alcohol or you don't do drugs, you are not popular because everybody else is doing it so it must be okay don't you give in to it don't you allow satan to have victory you keep standing up for jesus and he will bless you i promise he will bless you and so many people today are just saying you know what there's too many of them when in rome do as the romans do we need some Christians not to go with the flow, but to go against the flow. 
and say, I'm going to take a stand for Jesus. When I think about modern-day persecution, we could all share a story. But I'm thinking about years ago when University of Florida quarterback Tim Tebow, who was a Heisman Trophy winner as a sophomore, I don't think it had ever been done before, won two championships with the University of Florida. Honestly, I didn't care for him when he played at Florida because they always beat Kentucky when he played. But Tim Tebow, I came to discover, was more than just a football player. And Tim Tebow was very open about his faith. Got drafted in the first round of the NFL. But then he would not succeed in the NFL. And people wondered why. You know, well, he didn't have the arm. He can't really play quarterback. He played different position. And I'm like, he was a Heisman Trophy winner, two national championships. I think he knows how to throw the ball. But yet, people wouldn't give him a chance. And then he finally got cut. No team would pick him up. You know why teams said they did not want to pick up Tim Tebow? He came with too much baggage. You know what the baggage was? His faith in Jesus Christ. That was his baggage. They didn't want, it made everybody feel uncomfortable when he would start talking about Jesus. I'm so thankful at age 33, he's been given another shot to play in the NFL where his old coach that he had at Florida, Urban Meyer, for the Jacksonville Jaguars as a tight end. He may or may not make it. Some of us went to see him when he played minor league baseball over in Lexington when they played the Legends. We saw Tim Tebow. But I'm so proud of him that people recognize him not only as a superior athlete, but a committed follower of Jesus Christ. I pray that people would know that you and I are followers of Christ by the way we walk and the way we talk and by the way we live. And if we're persecuted as a result, praise God. Praise God. But I believe today that, that also that we see that rejoicing brings reward. Rejoicing brings reward. If you would look in Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, Jesus would go on to say, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and say all kinds of evil because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. You, you know why we are to rejoice? We rejoice because we're participating in the sufferings of Christ. We're identifying with Jesus. We're living our lives in such a way that we're being processed for heaven. We're getting ready for what's up ahead in heaven. That's why Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, he said, Dear friends, he said, do not look at this fiery ordeal or test that's come upon you as though something strange were happening to you, but rather rejoice that you participate in his suffering so that one day we will be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. 
So we are to rejoice that we are suffering because of the cause of Christ. And again, if you've never been persecuted because of your faith, say, am I really living out my faith in such a way that my coworkers, my teammates, my classmates, my family members even know that I'm a Christian? Do they even know we're Christians? Are we silent about it? And when I think about rejoicing under persecution, I, I can't help but think about Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. Y'all remember that story? Paul and Silas were on their way to the temple to pray, and this young woman was there who had a spirit telling the future. Do y'all remember that? And, and as they were going, she was bothering them, and then she started trying to talk trash to them, and, and finally they got tired of it and told the spirit to come out of her. You remember that? And then her agents or her uh, managers, her handlers, got upset, and they went and reported Paul and Silas to the authorities. And you know what happened? They were beaten and put in jail because they cast out this spirit who was a moneymaker for these people, and they threw him in jail. We could say that's the end of the story, but it's not. About midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. While in jail, while in prison, do you remember that story? And an earthquake came and shook the foundations of the jail and the prison, and the shackles and chains came off all the prisoners, and, and the jailer thought they were going to leave, and he was ready to kill himself. But Paul and Silas stayed there, and everyone remained. And, and he said, don't harm yourself. We're all here. And because this jailer had seen and heard their faith and the singing and the praying and the rejoicing, I love what he said. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He wanted what they had the way they handled adversity, the way they had handled their imprisonment, the way they had handled the beating and the torture. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the name of Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You know what happened? The jailer and his entire family came to know Jesus today. All of them got saved. Why? Because rejoicing brought reward to that family, and to all those who were there. And I want you to know when we rejoice, it may be not a literal prison, but maybe you have been imprisoned by your emotions, by your anxieties, by your fear, by your addiction, by your lust, by your sinful desires, by your immorality. Something has imprisoned you. And know that today the same God that saved that jailer can save you. And all you have to do is say, what must I do to be saved? Confess your sin and then ask Jesus Christ to come in to your heart and life. But not only does rejoicing bring reward, but receiving Jesus and living for him brings life. 
Receiving Jesus and living for him brings life. Now, Jesus gave a different way for us to live once we receive him. If you would read on over in Matthew chapter 5, verse, verses uh, 43 through 45, he said, you've heard it said to love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of the Father in heaven. Did you hear that? That seems opposite. That seems upside down, doesn't it? You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies, but I'm telling you a better way, a different way. But I tell you, you love your enemies and you pray for those who persecute you. Why? So that we might be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's interesting that the first beatitude said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now the sandwich closing together on the end is blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness because of me, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When we are poverty in spirit, when we realize we're spiritually poor without Christ and we give our hearts and lives surrendered to him, then we receive life. And then when we understand we're going to be persecuted, but we count it joy, and we rejoice in that. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's what Paul was talking about in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. He said, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. You know what the it was? Christ-likeness. But one thing I do, he said, forgetting what is behind and straining toward that which is ahead, for which God calls me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. It's our goal to get to heaven and to bring glory to God by living for him. And the only way we do that is by surrendering our heart and life to Jesus. You know what? We might experience physical persecution. Some, some people in other countries have been persecuted for years. Last week, Lorraine, you sent me a prayer request for the persecuted church. We were to have prayer for the persecuted church last week. And we might be persecuted, but I am humbled and honored, as Paul said in Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. For to me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. One of the great martyrs of old was the aged Bishop of Smyrna, Polycarp, who faced the Roman magistrate tribunal with the inevitable choice of sacrificing to the Godhead of Caesar or either you die. And I want to read to you what Polycarp said 
while he was on the stake awaiting execution. Eighty and six years came the immortal reply, have I served Christ and he has done me no wrong? How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? So they brought him to the stake and he prayed his last prayer. O Lord God Almighty, the Father of thy well-beloved and ever-blessed Son, by whom we have received the knowledge of thee, I thank thee that thou hast graciously thought me worthy of this day and hour. Isn't that beautiful? At that very moment, he was given the supreme opportunity to show a watching world his loyalty to his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was a martyr for you and for me. He died so that we might have life. As of right now, today, we're not asked to die for Jesus. We're asked to live for him. There may come a time when we will be asked to die for him, but right now, we're asked to live for him. And I'm looking for some people that will count it a joy and a privilege to take a stand for Jesus and say, I, I just I feel so unworthy, but I'm going to stand up and show my loyalty to you by living the rest of my life for the one who died for me. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, the Bible, Jesus says plainly, if you are ashamed of me before people or before men, I will be ashamed of you when you come before my Father. But if you are not ashamed of me before people or before men, I will not be ashamed of you when you come before my Father. In a moment, we're going to have an invitation. And I'd like to see some folks who are willing to say, I'm not ashamed to give my life to Jesus. He died for me publicly, and I'm going to give my life to him publicly. Would you be willing to do that to say, I'm, I want people to know whose team I'm on. I'm on the winning team. And I may not feel comfortable in this world, but praise God, this is temporary, but where I'm going is eternal. And we're on our journey home. Or maybe you're a Christian and you've grown bitter, you've lost your joy. And man, that, that's a poor witness when we walk around with the chip on our shoulder, angry at the world. Look, righteousness is not judging people by how they're living. Righteousness is when we're living a life of purity and integrity so that they see Jesus in us. Our lifestyle and the way we live preaches the loudest sermon on how we're living our lives. So if you're claiming righteousness by judging everybody else, then we're going to push people away. But if we're loving people, praying for our enemies, praying for those who persecute us, loving our enemies, we might have a chance of bringing them to Jesus. Or maybe you've been looking for a church. Oh, man, I love this church. I've invested the best years of my life in this church, and in you, because I felt like this is where God wanted me. 
not to make a name for Todd Lester, but to promote the name of Jesus Christ, the only one worthy to be praised. And today, if you want to come and unite with the church that's trying to be the light in a dark world, we'd love for you to come. However the Holy Spirit leads you, I'm going to invite you to join me as we pray together. Father, I pray right now in the stillness of this moment Lord, if there are people here lost, may they know they are loved and they are forgiven. Father, we all are sinners. We all have fallen short. Father, I have sinned plenty in my life, but I'm so grateful for your forgiveness. And Father, I've tried my best to live for you, to repent from things that are not pleasing and glorifying, and I try to live for you. The devil makes it really hard, but Lord, I pray that Satan would have no glory or victory in our lives or in our families. Lord, would there be someone today to pray, Jesus, I want you in my heart. I'm saying yes to follow you. I've made that decision. You've made it clear. I know it's not for free, I know I might be persecuted, I might be laughed at, I might be excluded, but that's okay because I'm just honored to live for Jesus. Or Lord, maybe there's a Christian that's grown bitter and they want to get the joy back and live this day forward living for you who is willing to die for us. Or Lord, maybe there are people looking for a church home. I say it all the time. We're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Our staff, we're not perfect. But we point people to the only perfect person ever to live, which is Jesus Christ. Lord, may some folks want to be a part of a field hospital that's trying to minister and heal those that are sin sick and hurting so that we can go out and share the love of Christ with others. Oh God, give us the boldness to make the best decision of our lives, even now, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna invite you in this place to stand, and we're gonna sing a hymn of commitment and invitation. If you've never given your life to Christ, it would be my privilege to pray with you that prayer, or Christian, come back to him, get serious about living your life for Christ, or if you're looking for a church home, why not today? What are you waiting for? We'd love for you to come, make the best decision of your life as we sing together.
just a moment. I'm so grateful that today is a special time as we remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ when he died on the cross. And today, as we take communion together, uh, we remember that the, the bread represents his body and the cup represents the blood. You all sound like me as a child getting in the gum wrapper in church, you know, it was always a lot louder because it was supposed to be quite big. So we learned how to <coughs> cough, you know, doing it. So, but for those of you that got in without getting your communion cup, do we, we have some measures downstairs and upstairs. If you need a communion cup, just lift your hands and we'll get you one. Folks, raise them high so they can see you. But uh, they're going to deliver you some communion cups. If this is your first time to use these uh, little disposable ones, there are two tabs on top. If you would gently pull on the first one, you'll find your wafer right at the top of that cup. And, uh, and then the lower tab is for the, the juice there in the cup. But the first one you have to hold on to. Let me warn you, when you pull the second one, if you're squeezing in on it, that it's gonna come popping out all over you. You might wanna hold it over your spouse when you're opening it. <laughs> but you need to be careful when you're squeezing in to open the cup. But we remember, and I think what a beautiful day on this particular beatitude that we take communion together. Because we remember what Jesus did for us. And when Jesus gathered there in the upper room with his disciples, he said he took the bread, and when he had broken it, he gave thanks. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for this bread that symbolizes the body of Jesus, who died on the cross to take our place so that we might have life and life everlasting. Oh God, would you bless this bread as a symbol of your broken body for us. And may we be inspired and challenged to live each day to its very fullest to bring glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after they ate the bread, they, they took the cup and just carefully opened the cup. And let's give a blessing for the cup. Thank you, God, that your blood was shed for the remission of our sins. That you would love us so much that you would die for us. Take the the stakes in your hands and feet and the crown of thorns placed upon your head and the spear thrust into your side because you love this. Lord, when we drink this cup, may it be a pledge of our love and gratitude to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And after the eighth, they sang, and we're going to sing in just a moment. I want to thank you so much for being here today and allowing the Holy Spirit to be in this place. If you would like to speak with me or one of our staff about a spiritual commitment or decision, it would be our privilege to speak with you, pray with you about your commitment, following through with what Jesus has placed upon your heart. You will not be receiving discussion questions today, but I hope you'll join us virtually Wednesday on July the 11th. I hope you'll all be here. I'm going to be sharing our coming out of the wilderness plan. You say, why July the 11th? Well, last week it was homecoming. <clears throat> this week I wanted to finish the series. Next Sunday's Father's Day, and I wanted to share a message on that day. And then vacations. And anyway, July 11th, I hope you'll be here as we excitingly tell you about future plans for the fort. So I hope you'll join us and be in prayer. I know God's going to do some amazing things, but thank you so much for allowing the Spirit of God to be here. I'm going to ask my, my uh, brother in Christ, my co-laborer, uh, Bill, to lead us in a closing song. And when you're leaving today, make sure you tell Bill, happy birthday. Today's his birthday, too. Would you do that? Stand together, let's stand. Thank you and God bless you.